Welcome to Podwalk. I'm your host, Radhika Saveri, Professor of Practice at the Southern Methodist University. And this is a podcast conversation with industry experts on brand, consumer, and human-centered design. If you'd like to watch the video of this recording, tune in to our YouTube channel called Podview. Today I have with me Iris Diaz, Chief Marketing Officer with the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, Iris. We are thrilled to have you here. Iris has had an exceptional brand management background, and we're going to talk a little bit about brand management in our podcast slash our YouTube channel, Podview. And we're going to talk about fan experience, of course, and strategies, which are trade-offs. So welcome, Iris. We are thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited about this. So Iris, you're an inspiration for so many, uh, not just for the different things that you have accomplished in the five years you've been with the Dallas Mavericks, but also because you are the first Latina to serve as CMO for an NBA franchise. So tell me a little bit about what you do. What do I do? Oh my God, I do a lot of things, but uh, overall I try to keep my sanity every single day. Uh, I am, we're busy. I mean, we do a lot. We do everything from a marketing perspective to campaigns, to negotiations, to sponsorships, to working with several of our clients, which is all our departments within the organization. Um, and then really working with all the creative, working with uh, with uh, with preparing right now, actually, for all our season stuff happening in 23, 24, and then really getting everything ready for 41 parties that we host every single season. Um, and make sure that we are on top of everything and making sure everyone has the resources that they need. But uh, overall, that's really kind of the gist of the role, but every day is very different. Every day is very different. Very different. Yeah. And your journey has been a little different as well. You started it at in the communications uh, franchise, then you moved on to work for uh, now the Dallas Mavericks, and in between you've had a couple of stops. Walk us through the journey. Yeah, actually, uh it's been about 16 years, so I've been doing about um, 16 years of media marketing. So I worked with the Dallas Morning News, the Spanish news newspaper Al Dia. And then I moved on to work for Clear Channel, which is owned by iHeartMedia. All the billboards that you, beautiful billboards that you see on Yes, we do. Yeah. And then uh, I moved over to Richard Lerma, which is an agency, uh, who is now Pete Lerma's agency, which is mm -hmm. a really great person that I used to work with. And, and now my first sports franchise. So... Uh, it's funny because I've been doing marketing for so many years at this point and all these areas get a little fuzzy, but I really appreciate the, the, the road I had to take to get here because I wouldn't have been able to do and apply the skills that I've had if I didn't stop at these, these areas that I ended up having to, to work with. And it's so interesting. It's everything is very interesting because for me, I always knew I'm like, I'm going to get into sports. I'm going to get into sports, whatever I have to do. I was very determined to make sure that I was not only not a statistic when it came to going to college and graduating, but also to make sure that I was living the dream that I really wanted to be in um, and being in sports. And I had been a fan of the Mavs for so long that I didn't think that this was going to be a possibility because yeah. I'm like, okay, it's the Mavs. You're never going to work there. 
But um, and but here you are, the CMO now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I also knew that I was like, okay, well, I have to put myself in areas that I know I'm going to learn from, but also put yourself in situations to be challenged to make sure that you are learning something different. Some people don't really know this story, but I always um, I've shared it with a couple of students in the sense of. I applied for the Dallas Fabrics five years before I actually ended up working for the Maps. I applied for a marketing manager position and unfortunately just the salary for me at that point wasn't there and I was a director at that point. And here you think you know everything and it's like, no, Mijita, you did not know everything. So <laughs> you think you know everything. I turned it down unfortunately because again, the salary wasn't there and I had really good people around me to say, Iris, you're, you bring more to the table. You have to, don't get blinded by the logo that you see. Cause it's like, what's the math? It's my only opportunity and I'm never gonna be here again. And little did I know that, that me closing that one door and, and, and saying no to the position was actually opening more doors for me to really learn and educate myself and bigger things that I didn't realize that were gonna be needed in this position now. Bigger things that were in store for you. Yes, being SMU being one of them. Yeah. Um, so that journey kind of started my journey to SMU and then after SMU kind of started from that decision of me declining the job, really looking at, okay, I think I was depressed for the, like the, like, the next two weeks. I was crying. I was upset. And here you think you know everything, but you don't. And you feel like, okay, that was my only chance and it's not. And people don't realize like you you're the one that gives yourself those chances yes. you're the one that opens up those yeah. chances for you people aren't doing it you you put yourself in situations and educate yourself and research things and get to know people don't be shy ask questions network that is a key to the success of what got me to here um and i love what you're saying about not being a statistic you you were mentioning that uh, prior to our interview starting and i and i love that phrase because that's shows a level of resilience and perseverance that you're willing to go through in order to get to wherever it is, wherever you see yourself moving towards. And it's not as if you're running away from some place, but you're moving towards something. And how did SMU help you to get ready for this position? And you had a very, very critical position. Um, and especially because you're one of the very few women in, in sports marketing. Uh, and that itself, is, um, you know, it's, it's a very cherished position. It comes with a lot of responsibility. How did SMU prepare you to be a marketer, but also have this position that you do? So what's crazy about it, and I, I say this too, it's like, um, I'm not that old. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not that old, yes. But when I was at UNT before I even went to SMU, social media wasn't a thing. And it wasn't something that was taught. It wasn't part of the, the marketing strategy because you went through traditional marketing strategies and through traditional platforms. Um, I mean, social media is what, 15, yeah, 20 10, years old? Yeah. That, mm -hmm. that, that long, what SMU was offering was that, the digital strategies, the content, the social media platforms, the things that I was not even, I knew about it from a personal standpoint, like everyone has your accounts, but not from a from a business standpoint. And how do you manage that for a brand? And how do you manage that for your marketing? Uh, integrate that for your marketing strategy that you do. So that's the reason why I ended up going to SMU because they had that specific program for you to then graduate and figure out. Okay, this is the piece that I was missing from UNT. Yeah, that, that relevancy exactly. of and bringing it much and more applying current. it in the moment because yeah. not only are you getting experience from professors that are in the industry, but also you're in the industry too. So 
you're not only learning it that day, but you're also applying it almost the next day. Yeah, in your it own brings company. context. Exactly. So for me, that was one of the biggest wins for the reason why. And the biggest wins why, why I ended up, you know, when you say you got to talk, you got to walk the walk, you got to talk the talk. When you talk about it, you don't know about it. People can tell how authentic you are coming from. If you really, do you know your shit or you don't? Yeah. But I think afterwards it's like, no, I know it now. So that's why it was also a very cool experience. The fact that I was able to go through it with SMU and I was able to learn all that stuff from SMU, from a digital campaign, from brand management, from pricing, from product, from every single thing that you can think of from a marketing perspective, from a digital world, to be able to apply it then to not only the work that you were doing in the moment, but now applying it now to a sports team and understand that you come a bit more prepared you come in a sense prepared. to be able yeah. to now have those conversations and to be able to navigate that ask the question team exactly and then also know what questions to ask and, and know what questions, know what to, questions ask. to ask yeah. make sure that you look as important and you are as educated as everybody else at the table as well if yeah. not more sometimes because as we were talking about earlier marketing is not one plus one is two and the situation changes in time and and, and every situation has to be dealt with ever so slightly differently. So knowing what questions to ask, you know, you were alluding to that earlier as we were talking about it is just so critical. So that's really yes. great to hear. And you talked a little bit about authenticity and just hearing it. I can hear the passion in your voice <laughs> and the excitement. And I, you know, I, I, th I think I spent a half an hour before the interview started um, just talking to you ab about yourself. And it felt like an interview because you were you were so passionate about it and I, I think you're passionate because you know you were speaking to me about how fans are first mm -hmm. and that's the tenant that you all believe that's what sets one brand ahead of another talk to me a little bit about that what is the philosophy that the Mavericks have regarding their fans you know it's funny before I started working for the Mavs obviously I was a big fan and I'm still a big fan obviously but uh, one quote that I remember it stuck with me and it was just a quote, and the, and that moment is just a quote. Now we embody it, uh, and you see it in the last five years that I've been here too. But Mark had a quote, and it said, "I don't own the fan. I don't own the team. The fans own the team." And that was one that stuck to me so much because of that. Just tells you who he is and how he expects his team to be from our CEO who also is big on our values and our crafts and who we are as a Dallas Mavericks and who we are as a brand for employees and employees first and how we put that out there. So you mesh these two, two ingredients together and then this is what you get every single year. Everything that we do is for our fans. Everything, you can ask anyone in our marketing department, that's who we work for. That's what we do every single day that we, Think about campaigns. How are the fans going to feel? Are they going to understand? Are they going to react? Do they are they going to be emotional about this? Are they going to have the same emotion that we have from photography, from lingo, from graphics, from design, from media that we use? Yeah. Like where is our where are our fans? And we listen to them. And it starts from the top down. And it starts just, from the top down. It is, and that is the foundation of everything that we do. We listen to data, we look at analytics, we look at the, the journey for everybody, but ultimately we're looking at you. We're looking yeah. at our fans and that's, we don't stray away from that, which is why we are consistent on everything that we do because the fan is always first. Yeah. And it's, and I have this slide, I remember I was talking about it. I was like, 
I don't, we don't work for, we, we don't work for, we work for them. We work for Yeah, fans. yeah, it's and the da Dallas are. Mavericks fans. If, yes. you, if someone asked you, well, who do you work for? It's, it's, it's really it's that fans. fan experience that, uh, that is most important. And I think it permeates a philosophy that you're talking about, that energy, that passion that you're talking about permeates through the rest of the organization. You know, I was at the Dallas Mavericks headquarters just a few weeks ago and you could sense that level of that tonality that you're talking about with the fan experience you know everywhere you look right left center it per permeated it seems at least from the outside in that it permeates through the rest of your organization so that that's really beautiful tell us a little bit about these fans tell us about the viewers you know today we speak to our viewers on social media you were talking about social media just a little bit of uh, ago and you all have oh I don't know 10 million plus viewers something like that and you're in a world we all are in a world that is overwhelmed with information today mm -hmm. we want a piece of everyone's time as a brand um, and people are constantly watching your brand whether it's a fan in the venue taking videos and then posting it on social or they are participating in the comments and the commentary during a game post game the brand is being watched always. Yeah. How do you manage your brand, your brand identity, and and you know continue being this true, genuine, authentic brand uh, that you have been over the years? It goes to what I mentioned as far as fan first, but at the end of it, it's also our employees. It, that is probably the reason why we have been successful to making sure that everyone understands who we are. Uh, we are very passionate fans. We are. We are first and foremost MFFLs first, Mavs fans for life. Um, and you see it in, in, in our office, you see it everywhere. Everyone's always walking around with Mavs gear. It's like they not only love working there, but they also embody it and they wear it all the time. They're very proud of it. That's one of our number one things that we always come back with. Everyone's very proud and passionate about what they do. Um, and you put that out there and you consistently put that out there through all our, our efforts from a community standpoint, events, the fan experience is first and foremost because that's the only touch point that we have physically that we can that's see. That's the only them. touch point, yeah. And um, physically, we have several touch points, yeah. but the fan experience is the most that we hang our head on. So, also our fan experience team, everybody that works on that, we all know who who the goal is and what we need to do. And it starts from your employees. It starts from the business side. It needs to start from there. If you can tell me, hey, I want Iris, I want you to do this because I want them to play this X, Y, Z. Okay, great. If, if that's all you're sharing with me, we have to have buy-in from everybody to know that this is the most important thing for us. And I say this too, because not only is our CEO big on giving back to the community, and yeah. we certainly are like, okay, we get it. Yes, we need to do that. But also our owner who is also big on if if a mom emails him that a kid is celebrating their birthday there for the first time they're coming to a game he'll forward that to us and we'll give him the best experience that he needs it's it's the return and investment later on i'm not thinking about oh are they going to buy a ticket for the next game i'm thinking about what is that emotional connection that they have with our brand now and now how they integrated with us how they got experience whether we lost or won at the they game, lost or won it doesn't matter they had the best experience because we all together were able to make that happen yeah. from getting him a cool merchandise from having champ visit him from um having great seats from putting his name on the jumbotron from doing all of that's that incredible that truly does sound like sure a party as a team and yeah. the thing is when we ask other folks to do it if it's an hour before the game 
hopefully it's not an hour before the game, but they all know what to do. They are not complaining. They're not, oh, I have to do this. No, they know why. Everyone know knows why. why at the end. It's because that's who we work for. It's those fans that are not only loyal to our brand, but also keep coming back and wanting more, whether it's good or bad, if there are people talking about us on social media, they're talking about us. Yeah. But at the end of it, they still keep gravitating back to who we are because we we always are very, um, oh my God, I'm losing the word. We're very, and I just said it earlier. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's just focus on the fans first. Yes, and whether you lost or won the game, you won the hearts of your fans. I, I yes. think that. And you forget a, you forget that you went to a game that we lost because the experience was much higher than what your than yeah. the, the game at the end, and that's why I said before it's uh, we can't control what happens on the court, but can't we can control, control what happens off the court, and yeah. that is part of it. It's the experience for the fan. Um, and we just have these meetings now, even during the summer. It's like, don't forget, everything that we're doing is for the fan. How is the fan going to consume it? But we are consistent. That's the word. We are consistent on everything. Yeah. Make sure that that is our goal every single time. Um, and we don't stray away from that, from not increasing ticket prices to make sure that families are able to afford it. Yeah. Uh, to be able to have reasonable uh prices for merchandise mm -hmm. giveaways i mean if you've been to a game and it's expensive to go to games it is expensive. Uh, really any event these days so yes. it's incredible that y'all have managed not to increase your ticket prices it, to make sure that people like my family who has you know we we're one of five <laughs> that my parents could actually take all of us mm -hmm. and still be a good experience and still have money to still buy popcorn or anything um it might not be the closest seats but it's still the experience that everyone got in the bowl um and and to also it's it's we we just love it. We, it. It just makes it more approachable and and it makes it the reason why you come to work and the reason why you day. come here. When you walk into the arena and you have twenty thousand fans roaring and cheering and they're holding a fan clapper or they're holding an item that we gave out that night because we love giving stuff out. Uh, it's a party. But it is a party, and that moment takes away any any probably pain points that you had that day or anything that you were worried about that really goes away and I know it sounds cheesy but it, it is and that's why we do it every single day is for that fan and and the passion comes through everybody so it has to start from the top down uh, you embody it as an employee and our the marketing team understands what it is which is why we're very so we look for who really is going to fit the culture what we have to work with from yeah. agile from um, if something happens at 11 o'clock at night, we have to be ready to, to fix it or to change or to adapt to a new marketing system or to adapt to a different marketing campaign, changing words, changing photos. Uh, Just making it happen, work in the making, moment. Yes. Yeah. And uh, when I interview people, I do say, uh, this came from a colleague of mine. It's like, look, long days are going to be long days. There's no sure coding a long day. But if going to a game after a long day is not the cherry on top for you, then you don't belong here. And it is true. It's that's who we are, and that's what we do, and that's why so many people have been there for twenty plus years. Twenty plus years. It's it's a very big uh, yeah. opportunity for for them to be passionate. But anyway, it's and so it's as you go through that level of um, passion and energy that you're describing, what is a successful day for you? You talked a little bit about talent earlier with me and the importance of talent, and you were saying, which I I, I think is a cool quote. I'm going to use it if I may, sometime. As you said, you know, if you're doing cool stuff, come, come do it for the Mavericks. Like it's such a welcoming phrase, and I loved it. I actually wrote it down. Tell me a little bit about that. What, what is a successful day for you? Uh, 
it's different off and on, on the season, and it really is is that right now a successful successful day is people taking time off, making sure that people are rested, people are really kind of clear in their mind, getting mentally ready for the season. That it's a really rough six months, uh, but on in the season, it really is more making sure that you are resources and you're helping your teams to get be successful for whatever problem solutions anything that's happening. Um, it is, that is ultimately what you're there for, to make sure that you're managing, not only steering the steering the boat in the right direction that you need it, mm-hmm. but also giving them the best feedback, whether it's good or bad, you have to be the voice of reason for a lot of things. Um, and I love uncomfortable conversations. So it's actually, I, I'm very good at those, I feel. But I also know that we have to make sure that our teams and our employees have what they need to be successful for what they're going through. They are their they are the leader of their business every single day, and they are very empowered to make sure that they're making decisions. And I think that is a very non-micromanaged way to, to view things. But to me, that's successful, to make sure that your team is good. And that at the end of the day, everything that needed to be solved was solved, whatever it is. If it's one thing or two things, uh, we have meetings every day. Yeah. We have to solve things every day, and we're managing all these campaigns and launching new things. But if you were able to find and be the solution for some of these, that's successful for you. Um, And that's successful for me. That sounds like great leadership. And, you know, as you talk about empowerment and trust, that goes goes a long day, long way, because not every day is going to be a positive day. Mm -hmm. And you just have to sort of pick up yourself and, and go for the next moment and make that work. So as you think about the future, where does Iris Dears see the Dallas Mavericks going? What, what do you see as your vision f- within marketing for the for Dallas Mavericks? I think we've been this for a while already, especially the last couple of years that we've seen so many of our players grow. But I think we also, and knowing obviously Dirk was a big piece of our franchise as well. But one of the things too, not only are we a local team, but we are very international and we are a very global team I would say Um, we have over 68 million international fans that follow us from different countries and we realized very quickly like we're not just Dallas Dallas and we know we're much bigger than this so for our vision from a marketing standpoint is really making sure that we're leveraging and growing our team as an international team Uh, we see it on the court obviously with our players not everyone is from the US um, as our star, Luca, obviously. Yeah, for and of sure. Of course, I mentioned, that's why I mentioned Dirk. But at the same time, as we have so many fans everywhere, it's like, how do we make sure that we're engaging with them as well? That they still keep engaging either from our social media content, from our website, from email, from our app, from everything to make sure that they're consuming. They're not here for a game. They, they probably will never be here for a game. But what can we do to give them some kind of experience for them to keep continuing to to, to want to be follow, following the Mavs part of the Mavericks family, yeah. And that I, actually, what we're working on right now is the our international approach and how does that look like for the Dallas Mavericks and how do we want, where do we start? And working with an agency that definitely is going to help us get to that point. Um, and being big on that area, and I think it's, it's gonna, it takes all of us to really realize, okay, we are much bigger than just being in Dallas uh, we are the Dallas Mavericks, and we are global. How do we get there, and how do we engage with those fans? That's, that's a big, big responsibility ahead for yes. you. So I don't have phone a friend, but I have phone a student. <laughs> so I phoned a student. 
who plays basketball for SMU. And I said, well, I have Iris Diaz coming uh, for my podcast. What would you ask her? And she's asking, her name is Savannah Wilkinson, and she wants to know, how do you approach branding your new draftees? And how do you plan on promoting your games around these players? So we just got new new players, obviously, as everyone saw. But the one thing is you get to know them first. You get to ask questions. So just like we do with the other players, you got to figure out what they like, who they want to be. They're very young. And a lot of people, we just have to make sure that we have the right people around them to make sure. How do we promote them? What is it that they want to be outside of just being a Dallas Mavericks player? And what do you want to be known for as a Dallas Mavericks player? Mm -hmm. uh, but we get that opportunity to do that in the next couple of months, but we have to ask them first. Uh, I think Dallas Mavericks obviously comes with a very hefty brand and obviously that already elevates them as who we are, they are. But it's also, what do you want? What do you, and listening to them. We meet with a couple of them, our players, agents, the, the beginning of the season, uh, just to figure out, okay, outside of just what we normally do, what are you looking for? Are you wanting to be more part of the community or do you want to donate? Do you have an organization? Are you looking to find a foundation? Things like that that we work with as a team and then how do we help them get there? And that is one really holistic approach. That is one approach that a lot of teams don't take. Mm -hmm. And for us, it really is important because we want to know what you want. Yeah. Uh, because I can put you on billboards and display ads and TV spots all day long. Yeah. But if it doesn't really connect or resonate with you, then you don't have a buy-in for it, too. Right. It's their you brand also, as well. Too. Exactly. So not only do they have a buy-in for the maps, because, of course, it just got drafted. But this is a younger player versus uh a dark, for example, that might just be like, no, I'm just good. But they, they might be focused on some more local grassroots things that they well, we don't know about. So really asking from what do they want? What do they want? And what would you envision? And what have you talked about? And can we give you some ideas? And then how do we marry these together? Yeah, that is the process that we try That's to take, beautiful. especially in the beginning. And so it, it's really asking them, what's what's your voice? What yes. do you want your voice to be? And and to that note, what would you like your voice to be? You're a voice for many, for just so many reasons. And, <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about your social impact in the community as well. Could you share with us where you're spending your time when you're not working at the Dallas Mavericks uh, office? You know, how do you I spend know. Your time? I have so much, uh, I, I sit on so many boards, but I sit on the boards that are very meaningful to me. And I think the biggest one is the, the reasons why I do it too is I didn't have someone next to me telling me here are these are the paths that you should take. Yeah. Here's I didn't have a lot of mentors until I was actually in the industry. Um, and my parents were very busy working, you know, working and making sure that I had a roof over my head so that way when I was going to work and I was going to school and I owe them everything that they who they are as a parent. But for me I realized I need to be the leader that I didn't have when it came to the business side and really uh, I worked for several programs, but it also, I didn't know where to go figure out how to get scholarships. I didn't know what the administrative office looked like at the first college I went to. Because after high school, you're on your own. Um, I didn't know where I could get grants. I didn't know how to sign up for certain universities. This might be very minimal to some people. Some people are like, yeah, you just go here because your parents helped. Yeah. My parents weren't that, those people. They were more, how do we help you at school? How, how do we help you at home? How do I help you taking care of your laundry, taking care of all the stuff that you need to make sure that you can focus on that? So it was a balance of that. So for me is 
I wanted to make sure that I am part of leadership and uh, groups that are helping other youth students that's beautiful. Uh, to be able to, and that's why I did the podcast too. I'm like, I know Thank how you. important we really appreciate it is. It. I know how important it is to students to hear from people that have gone through it and don't take the path that I took because it's probably the longest one. But I'm very happy that I did because I wouldn't have known any of this stuff and I had to learn it myself. Um, and surround yourself with really good mentors that really care about your success, not only from a personal standpoint, but also from a career standpoint. And having those people around me were the reasons why I made the decisions that I made throughout my, my career growth. Um, so for me, helping these students from age 100, from St. Jude, from uh, Pro Sports, Wise, Chief, uh, Hispanic 100, Latinas in Progress, uh, Hispanic Women's Network, Texas, all this that I, I I believe in, it's more because I want to also give back and how do I help reduce and help help those students and help young Latinas to be able to educate themselves and where to go, what websites to go. Yeah. There's a lot of free resources out there. Yeah. It's how do I help to make sure that their life is a little bit minimal, but then obviously they have to put in the work afterwards. Yeah. So. Just learn it's, from your experiences. It's making sure that they know where to go because sometimes they just don't have anybody at home to teach them and to do Yeah, a, and a guide and a mentor. And I'm so excited to hear that you're a part of the H100. Yes. As, as I'm a part of the Orchid Giving Circle, I'm one of the founding members I was telling you earlier. Yeah. So we have a little, some, some, something in, a little bit in common. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about facts versus intuition. So, you know, oftentimes when people think about marketing and they come to marketing classes or they're part of a marketing team, they they wonder what's the role of facts and data versus intuition. Um, what's your experience been? I was, I read the question, I was really looking at this and I'm like, okay, I have to have an answer and I know I have an answer, but sometimes the answer is just in front of you. It's not just you have to look at all these research to figure out, okay, give me an answer and I have to figure it out. Sports is very different. It's, you have to move fast and you have to either make a decision with very small facts or you have to make a decision with a lot of information. And unfortunately, we have to make decisions with very small facts sometimes. Um, from, from the content that we put out there, from the lingo that we put out there, from the campaigns that we put out there, everything. And sometimes it's just a gut feeling. But I think the gut feeling comes into just listening, listening to your surroundings, listening to the fans. And if someone is saying, hey, you should put this campaign into XYZ uh, media, it's like, well, that's not where the fans are at. The fans are over here. No, but the data says over here. I know that. But I know that the, this younger audience is really adapting to this because of XYZ. And just go with it. I think the beauty of one, if you made a mistake, you clean it up and just move on. Um, and that's actually something that we had to learn, like it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, especially working for a big brand like the Mavs, fans are not sitting there like, oh, I bet you the marketing coordinator messed up. No, it's yeah. the Dallas Mavericks messed up. So we take our stuff very, there's a lot of pressure on what we put out there. But we have to go with intuition sometimes because you just know and you've been in it for a long time and you've listened enough, you realize what decision you have to make. And sometimes you don't get that. You don't, you don't uh, get that opportunity to know every single thing. And you have to be ready to make decisions. That's why leaders are leaders. That's why there's a different path. You have followers and leaders. And 
I've been able to make a lot of decisions with that very small facts, with little room to, to make mistakes, that you just have to go with it. And whether you make a mistake or not, you own up to it and move on and then you learn from it and then keep going. And but, that can be a reward. And it's true from every mm -hmm. level, from being an entry level intern to being a CMO, yeah. to an owner. I mean, there's so many things that we have put out there or not put out there, whatever it is, but we own up to it and we're consistent in what we do. So you just have to just, sometimes it's just different. And in sports, you just have to go with your gut. It's like, if you're gonna take that three point shot, at that line or if you're going to take a two-pointer so it's it, it all is in the moment of what you feel and what you know so far um and it's adrenaline yeah it's all the adrenaline no, that really does sports sound like is it. very competitive yeah um so we i think it would be different if like, we asked the players what they would do it's like well if you shoot from this angle you more than likely will yeah. commit and it's like well that would be nice if yeah. that's where the angle i'm at yeah. at the game yeah but you just go with it you're and you just, just hope for the best sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but that's where your whole team comes in, where it's like, all right, you already listed and you went with what you could go with, but you just make things happen. I wish I had an example for you because I know I've had these moments before, but. Where you make things work in the, yeah. And it's, and it's probably so often that you can't think of one there, there's so many good examples probably in your life and uh, with with the, with the work that that even you do. with draft everyone thinks that oh everyone asks test or they start asking hey so who are you guys draft yeah well we don't know we don't know we find out when you guys find out too so, so much uncertainty it's, yes yeah. it's a lot of pressure with and a lot of pressure behind the scenes trying to make sure that they made the, the right decision and if we made it great and yeah. we'll figure it out but there's no uh sometimes it's just you just go with your gut that's absolutely true. And I, I think it's true in just so many industries that we are using both fact and intuition to make decisions. And that makes decision making process much more richer. What is one word you would use? I don't know, this may be a hard one or an easy one. I don't know if you have uh, thought about it. It wasn't on, on the questions, but what is one word that would describe Iris Diaz? Oh, <laughs> that's easy. I am very cool. determined very very determined i hear that from my friends i am not one to take the first no i'm not one to take the second no I, if I, I don't get no from the actual decision maker i will keep going um i am very determined to get things done um and i just heard a podcast also similar it was with obama uh barack obama and he mentioned he's like you gotta hire people that are just like that have the attitude i'll get it done i'll get it done and that's so much me where if you're asking me to do something, I'll figure out the weeds of it. But don't worry, just trust that I'm going to get it done. You don't need to know how I got it done. You just know I got it done. So and that's a lot of the people that we hire too. It's like, hey, look, just take direction and just get it done. But I am very determined, like every single time that I get a, a task or a challenge, it's that's a challenge for me. And I'm going to show you that I can get it done. Yeah. But I also come from a very distinct background in the sense of people don't think that women are going to be able to get it done, especially in sports. Or Latinas are not seen as educated that they will know enough information. Like, don't worry about that shit. I will get it fucking done. Don't worry about that. But I've always been determined and that's always been the way that I've led and the way that I treat myself. It's like, you're not going to tell me what I can and can I do. I will show you what I can do. Uh, and I will always put myself in situations to make sure to learn how to do it. And if I don't know, don't, don't know how to do it, trust me, I will figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out. the rice people. But don't underestimate me. 
I love that. You have left us with so much to think about <laughs> and so many strong tenets and I'm going to attempt to summarize it. Uh, if I've forgotten something, missed something, please feel free to jump in. Um, so you talked a lot about and gave us some very, very solid examples about I'm not going to be a statistic. I think that really resonated in so many of your answers, especially your last one as well. I'm not going to be a statistic and that is a very empowering statement. You talked about, you know, if you do cool stuff outside, come do it for the Mavericks, which again, I, I think really talks about the welcoming tone that the Mavericks have for the talent you know, inside and, and, uh, and outside. And of course, a fan experience. Fans are first and you work for the fans. And that magical moment, I think, has left us visually with really how we all operate to make these experiences meaningful for us as fans that come to the Mavericks. And just so much more in, in many of your examples, um, it gives us sort of a behind the scenes view of how you all operate. So thank you so much for taking the time to come to SMU, to talk to us and to leave us with so many inspirational words and thoughts. And um, and I hope to see you again on campus very, very soon. I hope inspirational, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I thank appreciate you. it.